Here at Text Talks, we constantly strive to spotlight authentic music trailblazers, which is why we're excited to have Text Talks styled by Ray-Ban this summer, helping us in our pursuit of featuring artists who are not afraid to be their authentic selves. You've got the look. Now come and have some fun with us in the sun. Together, Text Talks and Ray-Ban are saying, if you've got a challenge for us, no matter what it is, you are on. You can't predict the light, but with Text Talks and Ray-Ban, you are always ready to capture it by living each day in the moment. You are on. Define your style at superbulous.com. Welcome to Tex Talks. I am Tex, and today I am talking to a rapper who has worn many hats in his almost two decades in the music industry, finding creative ways to consistently innovate and experiment with his music and his aesthetic. This is a man who is not afraid to speak his mind and tackle difficult subjects, be it through his music or through his social media platforms. I am, of course, talking about Reason. Reason, welcome to the show. How are you doing? Yay! I'm sure you're going to add that in post. And the crowd goes, wow! <sighs> thank you, thank you. No pictures, no, no pictures please. Thanks. <laughs> but how are you how doing? Are you? I'm all right, man. I'm all right. Um, I'm good. I'm actually good. That's I'm actually fantastic. Good. How are you? Uh, short answer, I'm good. There's okay. room for improvement. But I'm sure that after this interview, I'm going to be feeling great. Oh, man. Okay, let's fix See? it. I, I, like, I like to make my guests feel comfortable. But I want to talk about your nearly two decades in music because it's no small feat. Yes, and then towards the end of July this year, you level up, right? And you go and you release Kandashisa featuring DJ Maparisa. And it's so dope to see you hopping on the Amapiano train. And we'll get to that. But I want to talk first about the name change to Siswe Alakain. I mean, Siswe is your real name, but what's yes. the significance? Of Alakine. Well, I guess the best way to put it would be, well, first of all, it's not a name change. It's actually an alter ego. Ah. And the reason for that, yeah, and the reason for that is because, you know, for me, the reason brand has so much weight and history and, and legacy um, yes, in terms of storytelling, you know, uh, songwriting, um, poetry, the rhyming, you know, it's so like entrenched in hip hop, you know. Um, and for the life of me, I just couldn't feel, I just didn't feel like it makes sense for me to then use the same name when it comes to releasing, you know, I'm a piano and, and various other genres, you know. I just needed like a brand that I could use to do all the music that I never wanted to do, you know what I mean? All the music that didn't seem right for reason to do because, People who love that brand really love the Reason brand. You know, people who respect mm -hmm. the Reason name respect the Reason name, which is why, you know, there was like a, a portion of the community that was like, what? 
You're going to do this? No. Why? No. What? Ugh. You know. Um, but in actual fact, it's like, it's it's not. It's 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 just I respect it that much. You know what I mean? That I I just felt like it would make more sense for me to create a new character, a new character that's more street, that's more relevant, that's more loose, um, more in touch with, I guess, my background, my language, my heritage, you know, um, and where I come from. Because, I mean, Reason is an English rapper, you know, if you want to call it that. You know, I, mm-hmm. I, I rap in English. I tell my stories in English a majority of the time. Uh, but Seasway is more... South African, if you want to call it that. You know, reason is more international, if you want to call it that. Um, but yeah, I, I think it's just out of respect for the reason brand, really. That's why I came up with the name. Alakine doesn't mean anything. Uh, to Alakine, is, it's actually slang on the streets. So like right now, we're Alakining this interview. Um, <laughs> we're gonna oh, I see. Some, you know, some conversations. You know, we're going to alakine about, you know, what's going on. It's it's literally anything you want to call it. You know what I mean? Like, you know, later you're probably going to alakine some drinks because you're not really having such a great day. I'm alakining um, a drink right now, my friend. Yeah, that's what I'm talking about. <laughs> <laughs> so and it's basically, crazy. I got the name. I got the name from Bura, the late Mbura, um, mm-hmm. when we were at studio. Because I'll tell you, it's a funny story. I'd always wanted to just go back to my original name and just use Seaswit you know, to do all those things. And then, you know, Maporisa was like, uh, are you cheating us, brother? Because like, Sizwe who? You know, you can't just say Sizwe. It has to be Sizwe something, you know? Mm-hmm. And he started going through all the names. He's like, you know, Maporisa is a couple of syllables, you know, uh, Melo and Sleazy, Focalistic, Lady Do. You know, so he's like, you can't just leave it at Sizwe. It has to be Sizwe something. So we spent like two, three weeks trying to figure out what to put at the end of that. And then um, there was a song that Mpura was on. And he kept saying, Alakain, 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 Matuman, Matuman, Matuman. And I was like, that sounds so cool. What's that? And they're like, to, to Alakain is to do whatever you, you know, you can give it your own meaning. And I said, I'm taking that. Little did I know it, it's actually quite close to Alkaline. So <laughs> I'm giving it that. Basically, Alakain is the the new school version of like Hakuna Matata. It means no worries <laughs> for the rest of your days. It's our home free. Fair enough. I'll take that too. <laughs> <laughs> yes, I think we can run with that. <laughs> but you know, this isn't your first dabbling in changing names because before you were Reason, you went by Mad Massacre, which sounds like the complete opposite of reason. And I'm curious I'm about so surprised you actually the musician. I don't know, but I'm, I'm curious about the musician behind Mad Massacre. Like, what music can I associate with him? Like, what was his vibe? Would I introduce him to my grandma? Or like, what's going on here? It, 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 that's the last guy you want to introduce to anyone. <laughs> <laughs> the Mad Massacre was actually a battle name, you know, um, oh. because I used to be in the battles. I come from like the battle culture, you know, you know, in the underground. So um, at the time, it you know, I just needed like a dangerous name, you know, or a name that describes, you know, what I was about to do to whoever that I was going to be battling at the time. So the Mad Massacre was was pretty much where we ended up with um, until my dad heard it. Um, that kind of changed everything <laughs> because mm-hmm. he, you know, my dad was like, oh, okay, I see you want to be a musician, but why would you want to call yourself a massacre? Like, do you know what a massacre is? And I said, yeah, I do, I do, I do. He said, yeah, so 
Are you saying they're going to say, uh, tonight, catch Huma Sigela, Brenda Fassi, and the Mad yeah, Massacre? Yeah. And I said, okay, fine, you make a good point. So, <laughs> wise man. <laughs> so I had to find something to replace that, and that's how Reason came about. But you know, I'm very thorough because I even know about your high school alias, which was oh, little, no. Ke- little Kevy. Oh no! And Who told I read, you? you know, I got Who my sources, but you? I read that Little Bow Wow was one of your inspirations. Like you Who dreamed of you? being a child star like him. So be honest: were you entering high school talent shows and like already like dreaming of rapping your way to the top back then? Little Kevy had big dreams. I just want to know who you called. Um, <laughs> Your friends are dishing on you. <laughs> Please, I can't believe this. Uh, but yes, I did. Um, um, I, I, I always had a dream of being a child star. I think Bow Wow kind of made that dream like seem like it's possible. You know, you saw mm-hmm. little Bow Wow, then you saw little Romeo, and you were like, "Damn, I could probably make it." As a kid, you know, before that, you know, in my head, I thought, you know, you have to be like as old as like DMX or as old as Eminem or as old as whoever, all my original idols, you know? Um, but yeah, I was, I was, I was, I was one of those kids. I entered um, every talent show. I won every talent show in what? high school. What? Every single one, every single year I won um, the performance. Um, I did a bit of dancing. I don't know if your sources told you that. Cause if they told you about Lil Kev, they probably told you about my dancing. They told me about two cups Shakur. Okay, no, that's way before that. So, <laughs> I was a, I was, <laughs> I was a very, I was like one of those kids. I got involved in, in a, in a, in a lot of those type of activities. You know, I did a mm-hmm. lot of drama. I entered like Mister and Miss. You know, I entered the the the, the dancing um, uh, category in, in 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 my talent shows. I entered the hip hop category in my in my talent shows. So I was always involved in like arts or you know some performance arts of some sort. Um, so, uh, you know, that activity, I, you know, I had this teacher, um, what was her name? Mrs. Uh, Schoolman, I think. Um, but she was, she was our art teacher and our drama and our drama teacher as well. Um, and she was the one who, who, who like by the third year was like, okay, cool. I'm gonna, I'm gonna teach you how to do this thing because it seems like this is very likely to be where you go, you know? And, um, mm-hmm. Yeah, she started guiding me and, and giving me pointers performance-wise, you know, projection, this, that, and the third, crowd control. She kind of, you know, made me who I am to a certain degree. Um, but, yeah, it was at that point that I kind of thought, oh, maybe I could make it, you know. But, I mean, at the time, Lil' Kev just came easily because I was in grade 8. I was hanging around matriculants and, like, grade 10s and grade 11s. And I was on the courts, and I was the youngest one that was always in the freestyles. I was always the littlest kid that was always in the freestyles. Um, and in the ciphers and in the battles and all that stuff. So I just I just stuck with Lil Kev until I was in Lil No More, you know. <laughs> so, um, I mean, you mentioned that your dad was not a fan of the name Mad Massacre. So yeah. to me, that kind of says that there was a little bit of input there from him and maybe the rest of your family. But, you know, for me, it's very interesting when people leave school especially if, you know, they want to pursue music and then what that bridge is between leaving school, deciding that like, this is a career path that I want to follow and then putting that mm-hmm. into action. How did you go about taking those next steps if that if you knew that music was what you wanted to do? Um, it's so interesting. So I was like an 
early bloomer when it comes to like my involvement in music. Um, by like grade eight, I had already started like working on some sort of a demo. Um, and I was wow. working with these guys. Yeah, I was like, I was in early, hey? I was in early. Um, but I was working with these guys. They were in matric when I was in grade eight. They called uh, Semitone. And they helped me out in, the, in like my first couple of recordings. And then the following year when I went to grade nine was when they had just uh, landed a deal to produce Squatter Camp. Um, and they were producing, they produced Squatter Camp's Umoya. And, uh, and and when they produced that and they started getting busy with that, you know, I was, you know, kind of left with no production team or whatever, or some guidance. Um, and then I was picked up by another guy called the name, by the name of Stethoscope. He also went to high school with us. Um, and then me and Stethoscope, we pushed until he also left school. So around grade 10-ish, me and Stethoscope decided to take my demo to... Uh, to YFM. At this time, I'm making music like behind my parents' back. My mother knows. My mother always knew. My, my mother always just supported anything that I got involved in. My dad really was just like, I'm, I'm just a crazy kid who likes locking himself up in a room and writing lyrics. He just didn't get it. He was just like, what's going on with this kid? Why is he sitting there mumbling and writing? What's he writing? What are you talking about? So anyway, uh, me and me and, me and and Stethoscope went to YFM to go get our demo played or heard, at least. Not even to get it played on air or whatever. We just wanted somebody to listen to it and tell us if we were good or not. Mm-hmm. And that's when we bumped into Proverb. And Proverb said, okay, let's go to my car. Let me hear your songs. Played him like two songs. And he said, dude, you you know, you really got something. Um, come to the record label and then um, hit me up if you need help. Around that time, I was doing, um, remember in high school, you had those job shadowing things? Like yeah, you yeah, yeah. Job shadow the person that you wanted to do. And at the time, if you wanted to be a musician, you'd go to sound engineering school. If you wanted to be a rapper, you'd go into sound engineering school. And Proverb was the technical producer at YFM. So he then invited me to come and job shadow him. And then Battle Cat invited me to come and job shadow him at the studio. So I would oh. go to YFM to catch the breakfast show from 6 to 10, I think, if I remember carefully, uh, or five, 5 to 9 or 6 to 10. Do that. And then after that, I'd go to the studio and then I'd be job shadowing there. So those two experiences kind of got me involved in music at an early stage because after a couple of days, Proverb then suggested that I do one of the jingles because he just couldn't do the jingles anymore. You know, other stations were getting mad at him because he was dissing them in the jingles. Mm-hmm. So he, he went <laughs> yeah, it was a real thing. So then I, he said, do these jingles. And I, I did like the first one, it was fire. And then, you know, Fresh said, my boy, you're coming in here every second week to come and do jingles. Right? This is me in grade 10. Yeah, this is me in grade 10, right? I said, okay, cool, that's great. Um, and then on the other side in the studio, the producers and all the guys like Zubs was there, Optical Illusion was there, H2O was there, Proverb was there. And, you know, these guys were like, dude, you, you, you're really good. So on this side, you know, we'll groom you, you know, come on the road with us when, you know, over the weekends, let's show you the ropes. So that's how I kind of got in. And then um, I had to go then, I had to then go back to my dad and be like, okay, cool dog. So like, I'm in the system, you know what I mean? Like, I'm, you know, this thing is popping off. I'm in the system. Um, <laughs> <laughs> Sorry, but I always, knew I, wanted, <laughs> I always knew I wanted to do this thing. And my dad was traditionally those guys who were like, yeah, that's great. You can do whatever you want. I just mm-hmm. need you to have something in case this doesn't work. 
you know, he was always on that, you know, just go study something, you know, mentality. Um, and uh, so I went through high school. I was already in the system. I was, you know, getting a name for myself. You know, I was going to shows. I was even starting getting booked. You know, mm. those radio jingles kind of got me ahead. Um, but then when I got to the end of high school, I decided to take a gap year. You know, I decided to take a gap year because, you know, I had this responsibility from my dad to go and study something. And the only thing I was good at was drawing at the time. Mm. You know, I'm, I'm good at drawing. Um, my math sucks. My, my, you know, my, my Afrikaans definitely sucks. Uh, my technical oh, drawing mine too. was amazing. Yes. <laughs> <laughs> I studied that subject for five years. I still can't speak it. Me too. Um, I used so, to watch Egoli and Sevendalan and and Nuk's head and my kop gegaan nie. <laughs> oh my god. Yeah. So I had to go and record and take my. Oh no, let me not do that. That could be offensive. Gonna actually. butcher the language. <laughs> Um, so yeah, so then I took a gap year and I went to go live with my grandmother just to figure myself out and to really see if like this music thing was actually a real thing, you know? Mm-hmm. Um, and for the life of me within that year, I had someone who kind of introduced me to one of the guys at Optical Illusion was actually studying at Vega and they were giving out bursaries and he saw one of my drawings and he was like, dude, why don't you just go study, you know, uh, graphic design and whatnot. Um, so then that that's where like the, the relationship between music and my creativity kind of like met each other because I kind of considered myself as a creative soul. So I ventured mm-hmm. straight into graphic design. I couldn't afford the graphic. Well, I think my, my grades were too bad for me to go into graphic design. So then the guys at Vegas said, look, you're not good enough for graphic design, but you'd be great in advertising because, mm-hmm. you know, you don't really need to be a, you know, mathematical genius to do advertising. Um, but you look creative. So let's just throw you into that. And I did uh, advertising and then I was a musician on the side for a very long time. You know, I was at the Jupiter Drawing Room. Um, I was you, were, you were creative directing at the Jupiter Drawing yes, Room. Yes, I was. <laughs> I was. I was. Until, um, until they lost, um, I think, the Edcon account at the time. Oof. They had a very, very big, massive account and I was on that account. So they had to do some retrenchments. So I took my retrenchment packet and I said, okay, fine. If I'm done with the safety thing. I understand the safety thing, you know, got a job, this, that, and the third, but like, I really need to go for my dreams. So yeah, when they were retrenching, I had the option to go to another agency or to take my package. I took my package and I produced my first demo. In fact, I, I produced that story. my first album. I, I produced my first album. You have to hear this. I produced my first album, me and Instro, you know. And then when Doomy heard it, he called me and he said, yo, I want to sign you. I just heard your demo. I said, dog, it's an album. He said, no, it's a demo. <laughs> 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 this is the reasoning, right? Yes, the reasoning, yeah. I mean... Doomy always considered that to be a demo. <laughs> I love that. <laughs> love that so much. But I mean, the reasoning, I remember like hype rated it as one of the best hip-hop albums of the year at the time and it like just blew up and i know that you'd already been working at it for years like you've just said but i'm sure it felt so good to get that recognition for your debut album and have it blow up like it did i'm sure you Mm. sat back and you were like oh finally (laughs) It was quite mixed, I won't lie, because 
as much as it did, it didn't really have the impact I had thought it would. You know, really? I think by that time in my head, I thought I pretty much understood what it takes to make like a radio song or a hit song and all that stuff. So, so musically, I I had gotten to the level that I needed to be in. But what I didn't know how to do was the music business. You know, to know that you have to have a sampler that's going to take your song to radio, to have a budget for music videos ahead of time. You know what I mean? Uh, to PR. You know, um, all those things. Those are the things that actually hit me so it didn't do so well in terms of you know business wise but it did well in terms of recognition it did well in terms of respect you know what i mean it did well in terms of getting you know eyeballs to say okay fine this guy can make a product you know which is where you know do me comes in you know do me heard that mm -hmm. that that album and he was like okay i think you know there's there's more we can do here you know um but yeah we we we, we ended up at a loss <laughs> To be honest with you, wow, we ended up in a loss. Mm. We ended up in a loss. I lost it only recovered after like two years because then we ended up selling all the CDs. But I think that your story is very important for mm. independent artists, especially right now out there who are grafting and who are struggling because it takes a long time as an independent artist to put food on the table, right. you know, to put food on the table. A but B, mm. to make a success if you're doing everything by yourself, like you just said, mm. um, the radio plugger, PR agent, uh, someone mm. to do your admin for you, somebody to do your tax for you. Like they don't teach mm. you that in school. You know what I mean? Mm. But mm. looking back on that now, what motivated you to stay doing the music thing? Um, it was individuals. Um, I think that call from 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 Doomy was a was a, was a big lifeline because I'd finally found somebody who was willing to spend their money on me, you know, which was <clears throat> which is probably like the biggest challenge with being independent, you know. It's just, independence is expensive, you know. Um, but I think, you know, I, I was hanging out with my idols, you know what I mean? Like I was hanging out with people I, I looked up to, you know what I mean? I was hanging out with, with Doomy, I was hanging out with Proverb, I was hanging out with DJ Fresh, I was hanging out with... I was hanging out with people who were musicians and who were actively having careers in the music business. So I believed and I, and I, and I, and I could, you know, I could, I could get the sense that actually, you know, if you get this thing right, you know, it turns out really right. You know what I'm saying? Mm. Um, also with, 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 with hanging out with Fresh, you got exposed to more than just hip hop artists. You know, you got exposed to house DJs, quieto artists, you know what I mean? Um, by the time I was like 21, 22, I was, I was pretty much in the industry, just a bubbling under type of guy. So just being surrounded by all these artists and all these creatives is just like, damn, so it's so possible. You know, I could be one of these guys any minute now, you know? Mm. Um, so I just kept going, you know, I just kept going, you know, um, I, it, it, I think that's probably like the best inspiration. You know, it used to be Bow Wow on the screen, you know, who was like some American kid, you know, that was making it, you know, who got signed by Snoop Dogg, was apparently related to Snoop Dogg. But now, like, these guys His were, like, cousin. next to me now. 
you know, yeah, cousins, yeah. So now these guys are like next to me now. You know what I mean? I'm having conversations with them now. You know, and they were, and and also I won't lie, they they also like kept giving me information and and words of wisdom from their perspectives, as the great artists that they were, just because of the people I was rolling with. They were like, okay, cool, this kid. They'd hear me do my thing and they'd be like, dude, you're dope. You know, just look out for one, two, and three. Just look out for three, four, five. You know, so that sharing of information was so, so, so vast, you know, um, and, and, and I ran with it. I ran with it. So before we continue with the episode, we would just like to tell you about something that is very close to our hearts over at Text Talks, and that's the people of South Africa. During these unprecedented times, those who are the most vulnerable have had to shoulder an almost impossible burden, the daily struggle to find food. The never-ending lockdowns have made an existing situation worse, with those in need struggling to find a solid meal. Enter SA Harvest. SA Harvest has a mission to help feed the estimated 18 million women, men, and children who go to bed hungry each day in a country where an estimated 10 million tons or 28 billion, yes, that's billion with a B, meals of fresh food go to waste each year. And owing to the pandemic, up to 30% of SA households are now deemed food insecure. By partnering with local and national businesses, SA Harvest is using innovative techniques to fulfill this mission. And if you are in a position to donate or volunteer or partner with them, please head on over to saharvest.org and hit that donate button in the top right-hand corner. You can EFT, SnapScan, credit card. And for our U.S. listeners, you can get a tax advantage donation via CAF America. I know we are all experiencing tough times, but if you can help in any way, go to saharvest.org and hit donate. And now back to the episode. I'm sure the time that you spent as the official MC for all of Cool Art Entertainment's gigs in, in Joburg, you know, sharing the stages with so many dope international rappers, I'm sure that you came across a lot of people, like you just said, who gave you some incredible... Mm-hmm advice and you know you shared some good times with but who stands out to you as an international artist that like you can't believe you shared the stage with like even to this day you're like oh my god shoo ah man i appreciated all of them i think for the most part i I think i think definitely timberland because Mm. timberland invited me backstage Timberland invited me backstage. In fact, before he even invited me backstage, he was backstage when I was performing. And I remember when he got on stage, I was like on the side of the stage, you know, I was like next to the stage, you know, just watching the show. I wasn't in the crowd. I wasn't in the back. I just found a position. And I remember seeing this guy, you know, with steam coming out of his head because it was so cold (laughs) and he was hot. And he just said, yo, cut the music, cut the music. Yeah, yo, did you hear that kid reason? And I was like, whoa. He's like, yo, you guys got some talent out here. That kid is dope. That kid is amazing. Oh, my you God. Know? And he went on and on. And I was like, wow, this is legit. Like, this is happening right now, you know? And then after the show, I, I you know, one of the guys from Casa Light then came directly to me and said, yo, man, this guy wants to see you. You know, he wants you to come to the backstage and have a conversation with him. And we went, you know, Um he was chilling there, um, I think, with his manager and his wife and his team. And he was still sweating and having steam coming out of his head. But, like, he legit, like, invested time and, and like, you know, gave me, like, some push. You know what I mean? And 
And his whole thing was, man, I think at the time he was working on Beyonce's album. And his whole thing Casual. was, damn, man, it's just, it's just, I wish, I wish this was a different time because I would have actually taken you with me and we would have actually done some work. But what? I've got this thing going to my head. Well, yeah. Yeah. That was, that was the energy he was giving. He was just like, dog, I would actually snatch you myself. Um, so yeah, that's that's probably like the one person that really stands out. But all those shows were so great. I mean, we met Kendrick, we met J. Cole, um, we got to meet Nas as well. Um, I, I really got to share some time with a lot of the guys. But Timberland was definitely like the most memorable. Mm. Mm. You know, that interaction with Timberland stands out to you. And, you know, you've mentioned that there are other incredible artists that you've learned from. And I'm a really big believer in paying it forward, you know, to the next generation in, in a positive way. Uh, yes. how, how do you feel about investing in the next generation of South African rappers? Because I kind of feel like there's something happening now, like with Blackie and with D Koala and with all of these very Ooh. exciting rappers that we've got on the scene at the moment. Um, but how do you feel personally about if somebody has to DM you and ask you a question about taking the time to, you know, give feedback on songs or on, I mean, I know obviously you can't reply to every DM, um, yeah, but yeah, just to, just to, you know, give back in terms of that kind of precious advice or maybe a moment at a, at a show when shows open up again to, to someone who would need it. Yeah. It's, it's so, it's so it's so interesting that you'd ask me that because uh, like literally like last week, like I was on a call with Ricky and I mean, on the call we were talking about, um, you know, Mbura and Kilagao and how young they were. And, mm -hmm. you know, in fact, from the funeral, we were just like, yo, these were kids, man. You know, like these guys were born in like 96 and 95. Like oh, these are kids, yeah. kids, you know? And, um, but then we were just having a chat about, you know, I, I never registered, you know, them being kids. I just registered them being artists, right? Mm -hmm. And it would always hit me whenever they'd say to me, Khrotman, 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 which is like big bro, big bro. <laughs> and I'd be like, damn, bro. <laughs> I can't be that Khrot, you know what I mean? And then you find out he's 21, you're like, damn. I'm like 13 years older than this guy. So I am a, a, a Khrotman, you know? It's because we don't um, feel old, Reason. That's why. <laughs> I agree with you. I agree with you. I, I completely <laughs> agree with you. I'll feel young, that. okay. <laughs> um, but I generally, because of, because of how I came up, you know, because of how I was always surrounded by people who were constantly giving me information, I naturally just find myself constantly giving information to these guys, you know. Um, and it's only when they come and say thanks or it's only when I get a call later to say, yo, I heard you or... Yeah, you know, you that thing that you were talking about makes so much sense. Mm. You know, it's only there I start to realize, oh, I'm actually paying it forward. You know what I mean? I don't necessarily, you know, like actively and intentionally have it in my head to say, yo, I, I actually just want to help all these kids. I generally just do, you know, because the more I meet them and the younger they get, hey, the younger they get. Like I was in a studio session where nobody was over the age of 21, you know? And sure. You understand what I'm saying? Those 17, 18, 19, 20, you know? They're all on like, TikTok. Yeah, these little these Lord. little nuggets had to wake up at five o'clock and go to school. You know what I mean? From the studio. So it's, it's right. Um, and it's like, 
be, I, the more I see them and the younger they get is, is where I start to be like, oh, snap, I remember this phase in my life. You know, I remember this this time where, you know, I, I you know, all I needed was uh, a studio, you know, or where all I needed was a ride to get to the studio. You know what I mean? So now I have to Uber this kid from, you know, Soweto to Centurion just so he can get to the studio. You know what I mean? But like, you know, when you hang around with them and you talk to them, I don't see myself intentionally doing it, but I just find myself doing it a lot of the times because they have so many questions. They have mm. so many things they don't understand. And I tend to forget who I am myself, you know, until these kids show up and be like, oh, so, you know, I remember back in 2000 and whatever, and you did this, and you said this, and I was like, you know, so mesmerized, can you tell me more about that? And I'm like, damn, I am reason, aren't I? <laughs> <laughs> you know what I mean? Um, you just need but one I of do, these kids man, to I remind do. you every now and again, you know? Mm, you do. Um, the most intentional one, though, that I did was that last year or maybe the year before in 2019, I just decided I was only going to do features with kids, with up-and-coming artists. I didn't want to do features with my peers because I didn't think it had any value for them. Um, but I think it had more value for a kid to say, yeah, I got a brace from reason. So I did a lot of work with like Asen, Asen Lu, um, this other kid called Rice Kids, you know, um, just a whole bunch of like these young up and coming artists, you know what I mean? Um, Iguala was already doing nice things, you know, but there was this other girl as well from Cape Town. What's her name? Um, I forgot her name. Um, there was a guy called Vegas Caesar, Stephen of Kent. Mm-hmm. All these young kids, I, <clears throat> I just decided to give them verses, you know, but generally I think just talking to them is enough, man. You know, just talking to them is really where the information gets fed down. Mm. You know, I think we've established that we are both seasoned when it comes to our age. You and I are the same age. Um, <laughs> and you celebrated your birthday. Seasoned. <laughs> We're seasoned. seasoned. <laughs> I know that's what you're going to say. <laughs> when, exactly when people, seasoned, when people ask you, I'm seasoned. I'm a seasoned I'm age. Seasoned. Um, and you celebrated your birthday in June. And I remember yes. in a post on your Instagram, you explained how making music uh, and having long conversations with Maporisa actually got you out of this three-year depression that you didn't even realize you were in. Right. And that, which right. is crazy. I mean, you know, sometimes you just need somebody to pull you out of your comfort zone and you need a different perspective and you're like, oh, <laughs> that's why I'm not feeling okay. But, <laughs> you know... And like, is that why I hate apples? Is that? <laughs> I just found myself hating apples. I just don't like apples. But would you say, with this new Ama Piano direction, that you're in a good place? That you know you're making your own music that's bringing you joy again. Um, it definitely contributes. It's definitely a big contributor. Um, in a sense that. Like that post and, and I guess this transition, they, they kind of meet each other, but they're like parallel. It's, it, it, it like moves in two ways. On the one end, um, I think, yes, I was definitely like going through a bad phase, like, you know, just as a human being, you know, mm. um, you know, just with life, you know. Um, and I think um, the lockdown... While I, while I may have thought that I was dealing with it, but like, you know, I think it compounded it, you know. Um, and I think it's generally because, especially with me, you know, as life goes on, you've got enough distractions 
in your life to to keep you going you know i generally have a lot of things going on so i i just i don't have time to actually sit and be depressed i never had time to be sit and depressed i never i never had time to stop and just say oh i'm not feeling well you know i generally am a go with the flow type of guy you know um i'm, I'm from the hood you know so man up man up and, and get it done is like is like the motto you know you also have um, four children so <laughs> that's no also small that. <laughs> yeah there's also that like i just didn't really you know i just didn't pull out on time so now i've got enough reasons to like think about this <laughs> so, like you know what i mean and then had to have two kids at the same time on top of that so it's just there's just enough to keep me going you understand mm-hmm. um uh and then you know i think when when lockdown happened it's like now you don't have distractions. You don't have the club to go to. You don't have a gig to go to. You don't have a song to go to. You don't have a concept to approve or a concept to to to, to conceptualize. You know, you don't have anywhere to go. You're literally waking up and sleeping and you're in a house, you know? So I think that kind of compounded it, you know? Um, but again, it was a keep it going. Also, mind you, I'm a guy who generally just likes going to see a psychologist or a psych- psychologist or therapist or whatever you want to call him. Um, just to just check in, you know, I just check in, I just check in, I just check in. Um, but the, but, but, but how it hit home with my Purisa was because I found my Purisa because my my Purisa had a, a, like a personal near death experience not so Mm -hmm. long ago, you know? Mm -hmm. Um, and even now where he lives, it's not his house. He he moved out of his house, you know, he moved into an apartment, into a, in, in this building in Santin. And he was there by himself, you know? So I was like, dude, why would you want to leave the house where all the creatives are, all your, you know, your talent is there. You guys are always creating magnificent music. Like, why would you be here alone, you know? And then that's where the conversation started getting deep. You know, it started being about, yo, man, like, death is 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 heavier, you know? Death is heavier than the things you go through, you know? Mm-hmm. And if you, if you, if you're not, a, if you're not aware you might actually just be dying inside, like little by little by little by little by little by little, you know, and 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 all those things compound and they become like this big thing, you know. Um, it's like a box that you just keep adding little things into it. They become big things eventually, you know. And that's where the depression hit because he was starting to become honest about, you know, the learnings and the lessons that he got from that, you know. Um but, you know, death is really what made it like a real thing to say, dude, you could just you might as well just be dead if this is the way you're functioning. You know, you need to get out there and just be who you are as best as you can be. Right. Um, and that was just the, the the depression side. But on the music side, I had also just lost love for hip hop music as well. You know, I, I, I ironically found myself for the first time in a long time where I wasn't connecting with the genre. I wasn't connecting with the artists. I wasn't connecting with the sound. I wasn't connecting with the story. You know, I just wasn't connecting with the culture. You know, mm-hmm. I was supporting it. I was a part of it. You know, I was still learning from it. I mean, I'm a songwriter, but I just wasn't connecting with it. So I wasn't really enjoying the music I was making. You know, um, I've got like two albums, like two trap albums or hip hop albums that are sitting there with like Shoma Josie, Moonchild, Nadia Nakai. You, you know, youngster CPT, mm-hmm. like big guns. And and I just wasn't enjoying it. You feel me? Mm-hmm. Um, and it's not because the music was bad, because it, the second I came out of that thing where I was like, okay, I'm dying inside, I started to hear the music differently and I started to fall in love with it again, you know? Um, but I was just going through that thing where I was just not enjoying music, um, but I was really enjoying I'm a Piano. 
um, it had this thing that reminded me of Kwaito, you know, which is what got me into hip hop to begin with. I was hearing these, these South African artists getting on beats and rhyming. And I found that interesting. And then I found these other guys who are rhyming for longer periods of time, telling more intricate stories, using more intricate punchlines and metaphors. And I was like, wow, this thing is great. And I fell in love with that, you know, but when my piano came back and it started booming, I like, I found myself resonating with that thing, you know, kind of connecting with myself, you know, where I come from, you know, where I grew up, you know, the language was just taking me back there, you know? Um, and I just needed the bravery to just jump straight into it because I think I was in the closet when it comes to making a piano, you know? And it's that reason thing that I was telling you about. I was just like, I just can't bring myself to being reason doing this. You know, it's mm. it's a completely different world. Um, so I just really had to just run out the closet and say, this is me. <laughs> this is really who I am. This is really seasoned. what I love. Seasoned. <laughs> <laughs> I should have called myself seasoned. A seasoned reason. Um, yeah, man. And, and that's really what it was, you know. Um, and, and I think that life of just embracing what I really like started you know, shaping away that depression because now I was falling in love with a new version of myself. You know, I only realized when I came out of it that it was because a lot of the things that I was attached to were, you know, were things that had faded away. My relationships, certain relationships that were close to me had faded away. Mm -hmm. um, certain, you know, um, accolades, you know, didn't mean anything, you know, um, just everything was just changing, you know, um, and, and and I was just losing love for a lot of things that I'd fallen in love with. And I think hip hop was the biggest one. You know, I just didn't care about it that much, you know. Um, and it was just me becoming a new person, just me wanting to just, you know, live a new experience, you know. Um, mm. And that's exactly what I'm doing now. You know, I'm just more carefree, you know, more open-minded, more more relaxed, you know, more, more at ease, you know, and taking things as they come, you know. Um, it's also the first time I've ever been alone and single for like in 15 years. I'm like a long relationship type of guy, you know. Um, and, and how now does that I'm it alone, feel? I'm, I'm learning this guy. I'm actually learning this guy. And I like, I want to go back and apologize to every girl that I've dated because I'm just like, this guy is a lot. I have to deal with him by myself now. So <laughs> dealing with Seizway by himself has been a learning. <laughs> It's a, it's, a, it's a very interesting learning. I think learning yourself and experiencing yourself by yourself, for yourself, is something that people need to regularly do. Just, just check in and see, like, you know, do you still love apples? No, you don't. Fuck apples. You <laughs> like oranges that's okay. now, don't you? You know what I'm saying? Like, I mean, I like tequilas more, but it's... it's okay. <gasps> you are my people! Tequila! Reason, you are oh, my people. Can tell me you're a tequila girl. Yes. Oh, oh and no salad on the side, no slices of oh, lemon or any cuck like that. Straight oh, oh, oh. up, just a shot. All right, let me just write this down. We are never <laughs> partying with takes <laughs> ever. Uh, I'm ever. coming up to Joburg in October, and yes, I will be fully yeah, vaccinated. Man. Just letting you know. <laughs> Good luck. Um, I'm leaving the country in October. Um, <laughs> Oh, are you ready? I just popped in, yeah. <laughs> I just I just saw a trip pop in right now. Tequila. <laughs> it's to kill her. You know, your story about finding joy in this new chapter of your life, musically and personally, makes me so happy. 
But you know what makes me so mad is the people who think that certain musicians should stay in their lane, like rappers should should rap, and like rappers should not oh, no. all of a sudden decide to make I'm a piano, you know? And, mm. you know, we've seen Casper shoot a shot. We've seen Focalistic totally killing it. And, mm. you know, we've also seen the haters get r- super riled up about it. And mm. I don't understand why South Africans have this gigantic problem <laughs> with musicians wanting to reinvent themselves and go down yeah. a different genre path. What What's your thought on, like, people getting precious about you know, you are a rapper, you should rap and not make any other music. Um, I always think of Moses standing in front of the of that sea saying, guys, we're going to cross this thing. And then, you know, I always think about that moment that there's definitely, there was definitely a bunch of people who are like, dude, come on, you just made us walk this whole way just to bring us to a river. Like, what's going on? Dog? You know what I mean? Like, this is the bloody sea here, you know? But it's only him, right, who has this vision and who has this thing and is following his heart and following his guides and following God as he's leading him through this path. And he takes him to this river, you know, and now comes a moment where he has to cross it, you know. Um, and, and I think that's what it is. You know, that's 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 literally what artists and musicians and creatives are. We if we we are the ones that have the responsibility to lead people's emotions to lead people's thoughts to lead people's thinking uh, we are the ones that have been chosen and have been given these talents to kind of direct people into all the different possibilities and we are the ones that are responsible for breaking down the barriers um all i understood from from any type of hate for anything that happens is Yo, if it's never been done before, you're definitely going to get some sort of resistance. There's always going to be a group of people who are like, no, that's not going to work. Or why would you do that? Or this, that, and a third. You know what I mean? Uh, we live in that type of world. And at the end of the day, you really have to cross that river, you know, um, and drown so that you can say, okay, the people were right. Or make it to the other side and have all of them just get to the other side and say, you're actually our king and we will remember you forever. You know, you took us to the promised land. You know, every every great thing that has ever happened in the world started with a bunch of people who will say, no, that doesn't work, or that's not a good idea, or that's whack, or that's terrible. You know what I mean? We've seen it happen so many times. Um, and that's just how I feel about it. You know, I just feel like, you know, I, I sit in my corner and I analyze these things as a creative and I say, okay, here's an idea that's going to solve that problem, right? My job is to go for it. You know, uh, my job is not to listen to the people who are scared of going for it. My job is not to listen to the people who've never been there before. My job is not to listen to the. It's for me to go there and get it done. And only once it doesn't work, do I then come back and say, okay, fine. Let me go back to my thinking. What didn't work and how do I make it work? Or do I let it go? You know, that's my responsibility. That's what I think the person who created light had to go through. The guy who created you know, who who flew the first plane, had to go through the guy who created the first car. Everybody who's actually had to create something has had to go through that at some point. And that's just really what I live by, is that I'm responsible to take my people on these journeys. They've never seen a, a, a rapper like mine or like me come from where I come from and end up doing my piano. I'm going to show them. If they don't think it's possible, I'm going to show them. 
because what led me to this was lots of thinking, lots of planning, lots of creativity. I'm a big custodian of creativity. I think the world is moved by creativity. Creatives are the ones that make everything go. So if I, if I think of it and I believe in it, I go for it, you know, um, and I'll figure it out later, you know, but 80% of the time it works because you get through that threshold of it's not going to work to then eventually people seeing the C split and saying, oh, damn, this is actually a real thing. Let's go with this guy, you know? Um, and that's just my motivation. You know, I, my motivation is Moses had a harder job. <laughs> Moses had a much more difficult job of convincing people to cross the sea, you know? Um, and that's just me, you know? I'm, I'm just going to do it. And it's so interesting now that all those things are changing because in the last two, three weeks, I've seen more rappers making my piano. Mm-hmm. You know what I mean? And I think that has to do with the type of rapper that I am. People, even in hip hop, consider me to be like in the deep section of it. You know, the more the more conscious, the more lyrical. You know, the more musical side of it. You know, I'm not commercial. I'm not. I'm not cheesy. You know, I always say like the industry is full of McDonald's. I'm, I think I'm. I'm the. I'm the Nando's. You feel me? Um, <clears throat> I feed the whole family. I feed you. It's wholesome. It's good. You know, it's a place you go to when you want to be full, you know. Um, but if you want a quick snack and you want a quick hit, you know, you just go to McDonald's, you know. And coming from being a Nando's guy in hip hop and wanting to be the same person in I'm a Piano, it's very likely that people are going to say it's not going to work, you know, or don't do it. Or what are you doing, you know. Um, but we're doing it and it's growing. You know, people see it. And I'm just glad I'm not Moses at the end of the day. Because, yeah, he had to split the seat. And on that note, Reason, I just want to say thank you very much for joining me on Text Talks today. I am going to be watching you going there and getting it done and basically being, yeah, just parting your own sea and doing your own thing. And your your story is fascinating. And I'm sure that your next chapter will be just as dope and the one after that even more so. And you just have to promise me that when you drop that Ama Piano album, you will come back and we will do this again. We didn't even get to talk about Ubertina where to and like I wanted to talk about all the <laughs> things, but next time much. you have to come I back. I talk too much. I know I talk too much. I talk too much. I explain a lot, you know? It's advertising. You have to sell it. I need but a yes, two hour podcast this, with you. This gives us room to have another episode. Yes, it does. Yes. Follow up. Yes. <laughs> Senzela no good till next time bang a pin. Sama vandala bokanda shis. Kanda shis, kanda shis. Tell us to find the tandishis. BLNS, sama action fig. Ama vandala bokanda shis. Kanda shis, kanda shis. Tell us to find the tandishis. BLNS, sama action fig. Sama vandala bokanda shis. Kanda shis, kanda shis. Tell us to find the tandishis. BLNS, sama action fig. Ama vandala bokanda shis. Kanda shis, kanda shis.
dishes Till stuffing by tandishes To your lenders, some are action figure Some are vandal,